Today's such a special Sunday for so many different reasons. We get to hear and remember, we get to celebrate, we get to meet beautiful people that are giving their lives for the kingdom of God, and we get to uh, hear the preaching of the Word of God, and it is my honor, really my honor and blessing to introduce to you the speaker for this Mission Sunday. Uh, is someone that, uh, well, this year we wanted to do something a little bit different. We wanted to bring someone that will be one of our own, someone that we know and we have heard and seen in action. Um, someone that when we talk to some of our missionaries around the world, they said, no one loves like he does. That's an amazing phrase. Someone that in the time that he's been part of the church for 10 years, ha the Lord has used him to uh, preach the gospel and to see a ton of conversions, a lot of people coming to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Someone that whenever uh, shares the gospel or hears and sees what the gospel does, he weeps, which is a good thing because I like to weep. Someone that is a pastor of pastors. Someone that has ministered to so many of us pastors in the church. And someone, and I'm going to use a word that the Puritans used to use, someone that has unction. For those of you that don't know what the word unction means, it's someone that has the presence of the Spirit uh, and the anointing of the Spirit in such a way that sometimes he doesn't have to say a lot. He just has to say something. And the Lord uses them in amazing ways. So I'm going I'm to ask you to please welcome Bill Overlin to the preaching of the word. Thank you, brother. Good morning, familia. We're part of something bigger. And I'm thrilled to be a part of a church family led by a Colombian where we gather and worship here in this building not only in, in Spanish and English but in Arabic and French and in Khmer language because our God is so great and our shepherd is so good that one language and one culture would be woefully inadequate to express his praise. Amen? With our missionaries and indigenous partners in 52 nations, we're, we're privileged to share in God's grand mission to bless all peoples through Christ. We're part of this together because Christ has broken through our darkness and given us light and life. In the opening to his gospel, the apostle John writes, the true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. The word became flesh and moved into our neighborhood. And we have seen the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father full of grace and truth. Later in his gospel, John records the words of Jesus as he says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. I want you to stand in reverence for God's word as we read together the, the anchor scripture for this morning. 
Let's read together the words of our Lord Jesus as he speaks to us. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Amen. You may be seated. I want you to think about the word pictures that Jesus gives us. He asks, do people light a lamp and then stick it under a bowl? <laughs> How absurd. Of course not. They put it on display in their home and it gives light to everyone in the house. Your lamp might give light to a small circle. In your home, your family, circle of friends, co-workers, neighbors, but it makes all the difference to those close to you. Your light might shine on a bigger stage. Your light might catch strangers' eyes from afar. A collection of many small lights can draw others to a place of resources and safety. You can't hide a town built on a hill. The light and warmth of the community are obvious for miles around. You and I become channels of Christ's light for fellow humans in the dark when we live in connection with Jesus. He urges us, don't hide your light. Put it on its stand and let it shine. Because Christ's light shines through his people's good works. You know, my, my heart rises up when I see the faces of those touched by what our missionaries and, and indigenous partners are doing. What you as a church family are, are doing in our community as I watch the videos this morning. Something within me says, yeah, keep it going. I admire our partners in Lebanon providing vocational training to young adults with disabilities. I've been there in the camps and, and seen the changes in Syrian refugees with so much stacked against them. I want Robert to get the textbooks needed for the 1,300 boys and girls in his school in Uganda. I'm proud of the graduates of Kids Alive who become leaders in their churches, in their towns, in their professions in the Dominican Republic. Families and communities see the efforts of these servants of Christ for them and gratitude is li being lifted to God because of it. Let's watch this next brief video as we think about marginalized Roma gypsy children in Greece being served through our partners with Hellenic ministries. The Roma people are the largest ethnic minority in Europe with an estimated quarter million residing in Greece. Commonly known by the term gypsy, they are largely characterized by the situation of social exclusion and wide-ranging poverty. Lack of education, unemployment, and poor health conditions make life difficult for the Roma people. 
the Petaluda Educational Center emerged in the town of Analosha in order to improve the quality of life in the Roma community. The meaning of Petaluda is butterfly. In the same way that a caterpillar needs time to grow before it can fly, the Petaluda Center wants to see growth in the community of Analosha. By identifying their needs and mobilizing resources, the Petaluda Center is on its way to achieve positive and sustainable change in Analosha. The Petaluda Center shares the transformational power of Jesus Christ with the community, giving them the opportunity to learn to read and write, to apply for jobs, and to learn new skills and much more. Είναι ο ταξιάρχης με μητέρα του, πάει στη Πεταλούδα δύο χρόνια και έμαθε πάρα πολύ. Και τώρα το γράψαμε και στο σχολείο. Είναι πολύ χαρούμενος που πάει εδώ. As our ministry grows, we need more staff. Uh, there are many children in need and uh, right now we don't have the human resources to, to meet those needs. And so we need people like you to partner with us financially to help us to, to hire local people with, uh, with the qualifications to, to serve in the center so we can continue to reach uh, the Roma people uh, for Christ. Just one of the places, one of the partners, because Christ's light shines through his people's good works. And Christ's light shines through his people's good words. Seems to me Jesus stretched his disciples' boundaries uncomfortably when he commanded them, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you and pray for those who mistreat you. Thirty years on from the message on the mountain, the Apostle Peter wrote to first-generation Gentile followers of Christ in what is now Turkey. Peter says to them, you are a chosen people. You Gentiles uh, who are not from from." Uh, the line of the Jews, you also are a chosen people that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you're the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Live such good lives among those who don't know God that though they accuse you of doing wrong, your good deeds may prove otherwise and they can't help but glorify God. These new Gentile believers were being ostracized and persecuted in their own culture because of their allegiance to Jesus. Peter counsels them, Remember that Christ suffered for you. He left an example that you should follow in his steps. When they hurled their insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, Jesus entrusted himself to him who is the just judge. So you, be ready to give an answer to everyone who asks you, what is this hope you have 
and do it with gentleness and respect. What happens when believers living in a culture hostile to them return blessings for insults and injuries? What happens when believers choose forgiveness over retaliation? On Palm Sunday four years ago, Nassim, a security guard at St. Mark's Church in Egypt, put his hand on the shoulder of a young man anxious to push past the gate. The young man detonated a suicide vest beneath his clothes. Forty-six people died in the explosion at this church and one at another church as well. The count would have been much higher had Nassim not put himself between the bomber and the crowded church. Days later, a national news crew came to the home of Nassim's widow and children. I want you to watch the words on the screen and consider the words of Nassim's wife and the response of the news anchor who's of the Muslim majority. ويحاولوا يفكروا شوية يفكروا يفكروا صدقيني لأن هم لو فكروا إحنا ما بنعملهمش أي حاجة صدقيني ما بنعملهمش حاجة لهم فكروا تاني فكروا أن أنتوا بتعملوه ده صح ولا غلط وربنا يسامحكم وإحنا مسامحينكم بأمانة بقولها مسامحكم وصدقيني لأن أنتوا حطيتولي أبو ولادي في مكان ما كنتش أتمنى العمر كله صدقيني بأمانة يعني أنا عمري أنا بفتخر بيه وبتمنى أكون أنا جنبه صدقيني يا منشي وأشكرك يا حبيبتي أقباط مصر مصنوعين من فولاذ أقباط مصر مئات السنين بيتحملوا كوارث ومصايب كتيرة القبط المصري يعشق تراب بلده القبط المصري يتحمل كل شيء عشان وطنه وإيه كمية التسامح اللي عندكوا دي لو أعدائكم يعرفوا قد إيه أنتوا متسامحين بجد ما كانش حد يصدق ده أنا لو أبويا والله ما أقول كده أبدا الناس دي عندها كمية تسامح عن حق عن عقيدة دول بني آدمين والله مصنوعين من مادة تانية الله يرحمه عم نسيم بطل وشهيد ومثل اعلى للي قاعد كل واحد في البلد دي يقول لك هي البلد دي ايه والبلد دي ماشيه ازاي؟ البلد دي ماشيه كده البلد دي ماشيه بالصبر بالجلد بالتحمل بالست العظيمه دي بالعيال اللي خلف ما ماتش ضرباهم وعمل رجاله رجاله What is the secret sauce that enables Jesus' followers to live as grace givers to those who give them grief? Isn't it because we've been called out of darkness into his wonderful light? The Lord has been so kind to us, so overwhelmingly generous to us,
And so we show forgiveness because we've been on the receiving end of a truckload of pardon. We seek peace with others because God extended goodwill to us in Christ. We love because Jesus first loved us. We shine because the glory of God in the face of Christ has lit up our hearts. God's light, Christ's light, shines through his people's good works, their good words, and Christ's light shines brightest in dark circumstances. The Apostle Paul writes to believers in Philippi on the eastern coast of Greece, my dear friends, continue to, to live and work out what it means for you to be saved. Do this with reverence, for it's God who works in you to will and to act according to his good purposes. Do everything without grumbling or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure, children of God without fault and a generation of crooks and perverts in a warped and crooked generation. Then you will shine among them like stars in the sky. Somebody once suggested to me there are only two languages in the world. I don't think so. Uh, there's French, there's Indonesian, there's Spanish, there's Khmer, there's Mandarin. Uh, no, uh, Juan said, there are only two languages in the world, the language of the kingdom of darkness which is complaint and contention, grumbling and arguing, and the language of the kingdom of light, which is gratitude and giving grace. Human culture can become bent on grumbling and arguing, what's bad about others and why we're against them. I wonder, as the church, how different are we? Uh, my wife and I were in Door County a few weeks ago and, uh, on a getaway, and I saw in this little shop a plaque that caught my attention. It said, I bought my husband a Get Better Soon card. He's not sick. I just think he could be better. <laughs> Church, how about you and me? Could we be better? Are we as the church distinct from the culture around us? We claim to be citizens of the kingdom of light, but what language do we speak? Do our critical, complaining, polarizing Facebook posts cloud our shine? In our speaking and doing and being, are we swayed by the Holy Spirit to lift thanks to God and, and live thoughtfully toward others? Is our culture becoming more corrupt? Well, when skies darken, even small lights shine brightly. A few Friday evenings ago, Pastor Hannibal shared in our leaders' meeting that he's hopeful as he, as he realizes that we as the church have what the world wants, a community of grace 
and belonging. It set me thinking, you know, so much in the media, in, in, in uh, our culture, we hear uh, our society clamor for the value and dignity of every person, for women to be treated with honor, free from harassment or an abuse, for leaders who lift up others rather than promote themselves, for harmony and walls of racism and classism to melt away. But all these values have their roots in the Scripture as being counter to the cultures of age after age. And all these ideals are most fully and beautiful, beautifully realized in the person of Christ. The world wants the kingdom but doesn't know the king. The world wants the blessings, but they're found as we bow before the throne of grace. Uh, two of my kids are songwriters. My daughter wrote these words. Out of our darkest days, Jesus, you made a way. You called us out of the deepest void whispered your grace above all the noise, and we're alive now that we hear your voice calling to us, Jesus. A little over a decade ago, British columnist Matthew Paris wrote in the Times, the most trusted national newspaper in the UK, my return to Malawi in, in, in East Africa refreshed a belief I've been trying to banish all my life. Although I'm an atheist, I can't refute the enormous positive contribution of Christian evangelism in Africa. In Africa, Christianity changes people's hearts. It brings spiritual transformation. The rebirth is real. The change is good, writes atheist Matthew Paris. He goes on to say, um, our newspaper supports an organization called Pump Aid that provides clean water in remote villages. I couldn't help but note that the most impressive African members of Pump Aid were strong Christians. It would suit me to think that their honesty, diligence, and optimism was unconnected from their personal faith. Their work was secular, but it was surely affected by what that faith had taught them. Christianity, with its direct, personal, two-way link between the individual and God, liberates. Removing Christian evangelism from the African equation may leave the continent at the mercy of a malign fusion of Nike, the witch doctor, the mobile phone, and the machete. Dr. Robert Woodbury has shared his research with the economic faculties of Harvard and MIT. In an article published in 2012, Dr. Woodbury's historical data demonstrated the following. 
as outcomes of the presence and influence of Protestant missionaries in developing nations. That those nations where, where Protestant missionaries have served in the past are today more economically developed with lower government corruption, have stronger and more stable democracies, lower infant mortality, comparatively better health, have greater literacy, publish in higher educational attainment, especially among women, have more philanthropic associations and demonstrate greater preservation of ethnic languages and protection of aboriginal peoples. Where the gospel goes, good follows. Christ brings light and your shine matters. Humor me with a, a brief detour. One of the earliest facial ports, uh, portraits of Christ that we have is from Hagia Sophia, uh, a grand church built in 524 in Istanbul. You see here this portrait of Christ set in this building, which uh, centuries later was conquered by Islamic invaders and became a mosque. And, and that portrait was, was painted over. But recently it was, paint was removed, the portrait was restored, and this mosaic is made of tiny colored tiles which together form a distinct image of the face of Jesus. Later, beginning around the 7th century, mosaic images were given brighter expression in the form of stained glass windows. As sun radiates through the shards of glass of different shapes and colors, they portray vivid images. Could it be that in a similar way, distinct and diverse believers present a colorful and inviting mosaic of Christ to the world? We may be different in our status, capabilities, personalities, professions, skills, platforms, life situations, but Christ's light shines in various hues through a nurse, a teacher, a prison corrections officer, a business executive in, of integrity, a student athlete, uh, your music or canvas as an artist, through your character as an employee, through your love as a spouse or parent or child. Facets of Jesus' grace and truth, his goodness and integrity shine through his people. I want to ask you this morning, how does the shade and shape of your shard of glass add to Christ's portrait? Is his light refracted through you? Is his light radiating through you to present Jesus to the world? I'm not talking about the institution of the church or the creeds of the church or the programs of the church. 
you are the light of the world. Jim, Mike, Abdul, Carlos, Papicho, Susan, Anne, Jan, Peggy. You are the light of the world. And Christ's light goes everywhere you go. And the world is desperate for a little more illumination, for another piece in the puzzle. Your lamp, your light among others on the hill, your piece of glass in the mosaic matters. Well, I want to tell you just a little bit about my story, and then I want to ask you about your story. When I became a believer uh, in, in high school, something that I, I wasn't planning on and never thought about becoming a follower of Jesus, this, this happened, you know, during the Jesus movement in the 70s, I started to ask myself, how can I live my life as a thank you back to Jesus? How can I shine? And I figured out early on that I can honor God by serving others. And that led me to becoming a, a special education teacher and a youth group leader, a volunteer in our church. Later on, it, it led me uh, to, to say yes to a, a call to be a pastor, which my wife informed me uh, was God's plan for my life. It led us to becoming an adoptive family. One of the pleasant surprises for me was to, to notice that God was placing in me a growing interest in and heart for those of other cultures and backgrounds, and especially people who have little opportunity to hear of Christ. And it's amazing to me as I think about that a kid who grew up in rural Ohio God would pick out and say, hey, I want you to have a part in what I'm doing halfway around the world. For eight years, I had the opportunity to use my professional background in education to be a teacher for over 3,000 students in Java, Indonesia, at a large government school, at a private Islamic school, where I had the opportunity to serve my students well Realizing that in what I do, what I say, in my character, I'm also a representative of Christ. Later, as, as our family returned to Chicagoland, I've, I've been, I've been uh, honored to help welcome refugees from the nations living here in our neighborhoods. I love it. And I've come to realize that that in my life that so much of what I've experienced that is good, that is rich, that is rewarding, that has involved risks, that have been, uh, has involved wonderful paybacks, has been following Christ as a servant and, and being a part of his light in the world. 
Uh, maybe sometime I'll tell you more of my story, but I want, you to, I want to clue you in that I have mixed motives. I have a noble motive that I want to live up to my calling of honoring Christ. I have a bit of a selfish motive also related to FOMO. I don't want to miss out on the adventures, the adventures and the good and lasting things Jesus wants to do through me. Walking with him is anything but bland and boring. Well, as you think about your story, I want you to think about three don'ts. Number one, don't hide your light. Be the shade and shape you are and get your shine on. Number two, don't fool yourself that God's flavor selection for your life is vanilla. What's familiar, what's safe, what's easy. If God's mission is to bring mercy and blessing within reach of all peoples, doesn't it make sense he wants you to have some share in it? Assume he has a role for you in bringing the light of Christ to those most in the dark. Afghan refugees will travel 7,000 miles to be here in our nation. Will you and I bridge the last three feet with our friendship? Go teams. Maybe, maybe the Lord is even calling you to become a global servant of Christ like many of the second career people you saw on the platform. Will you put your yes on the table and let God put it on the map? So don't hide your light. Don't fool yourself. God's flavor selection for you is vanilla. And number three, the last one, don't shortchange his power working in you. Your wattage is not limited to your resources. I love this verse from Isaiah that speaks about the Messiah who is the light of the world, the light to the nations. And I love this one line that says, a smoldering wick he will not snuff out. Let him fan your flame. Let's pray. Lord, we come before you this morning grateful and in awe of what you are doing because you love the people of the nations and you fulfill your purposes. Lord, we put our yeses on the table. Weave us into your story. Set our shards of glass in your mosaic. Shine through us.
for Jesus' sake. Amen.